Thank you for listening to the Grace Hill Podcast. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. We started a series last week called Bitter or Better is the name of the series. And the tagline for it was, the choice is yours. Because the reality is that each one of us has a choice. We can either continue to live in bitterness, to live in the past, or we can choose better. That's the choice that we get to make. We get to choose that. And and the choice that we make, what fuels that choice is this idea. It's the the bottom line for the whole series. And and if you would take this and, and lean on this and lean into this, I really believe, I really believe it has the power to change your life. Here's the statement that we've been saying all series long is this, that what God has done for you is greater than anything anyone can do to you. What God has done for you is greater. The fact that he provided Jesus Christ as a way back to God, that he extended forgiveness when we rebelled, that he extended grace when we didn't even know we needed grace, that what God has done for you is greater than any betrayal that you might feel, even though that pain is real. It's greater than any accusation that you might have come your way, whether it's it's painful or not. What God has done for you is greater than anything anyone could ever do to you. So last week, we're in this series uh, out of the book of, of Genesis, looking at the life of Joseph. And last week, we, we picked this story up at the, at the beginning of the story. And, and what we saw was, we, we saw that Joseph, who was favored by his father and had a bunch of jealous brothers, sold him into slavery. They actually conspired to kill him and they decided that they would try to make a little money off of him. Why waste this opportunity? So they decided that they would sell him. And, and Joseph, as a result, ended up at a guy named Potiphar's house. Now, if you're pregnant and you're looking for a boy's name, may I suggest Potiphar. It would prob- he would probably be the only one at his school who would ever have that name. So if you're looking for something unique, you can go with that one. But if you had been favored by your father, your parents, and your brothers, your siblings, conspired to kill you, destroyed in the process maybe what was your most prized possession. And instead of killing you, you you, you learned that they had sold you off into slavery. I bet you would have a reason or a thought or a moment where you would think about potentially being bitter in your own life. Most of us have had much less things done to us than having brothers uh, or, or siblings that have thought about literally killing us. And yet we choose to harbor bitterness. We choose to harbor that resentment. Because to be honest, here, here's the reality. It's easier to spend time and it's easier to linger and in some cases it's even more comfortable to stay in our past of bitterness than to make the decisions that we would have to do and to make to choose a different future. So the question becomes if if this has happened to Joseph, how's he struggled with it? 
What's going on in Joseph's life now that he's been betrayed and now he's been sold? What's happening in Joseph's life? And if you turn in your Bible or you can go to your YouVersion app, all of the the notes today are in the YouVersion app. If you go to the YouVersion app, download it. The bottom right corner, it says more. When you click on more, it'll say events. You can pull up today all the sermon notes, the announcements, the text, everything will be in there. And if you didn't bring a phone or an iPad or tablet and you don't have a Bible, everything will be on the screen. So we'll get you covered today. We, we pick this story up, and, and don't forget, if you were here last week, there's a, there's a smidge of a plot twist that's coming in each of these weeks. So we pick this story up, chapter 39 of Genesis, verse 1, and it says this. Now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt. Potiphar, an Egyptian who was one of Pharaoh's officials, the captain of the guard, bought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him there. The Lord was with Joseph so that he prospered. Now, if you wanna underline something in your Bible or highlight in your app, that's, that's a great line because we're gonna come back to that in just a minute. The Lord was with Joseph so that he prospered. And he lived in the house of his Egyptian master. When his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord gave him success in everything he did, Joseph found favor in his eyes and became his attendant. Potiphar put him in charge of his household. He entrusted to his care everything he owned from the time he put him in charge of his household and all that he owned, and again, don't miss this, the Lord blessed the household of the Egyptian because of Joseph. The blessing of the Lord was on everything Potiphar had, both in the house and in the field. So Potiphar left everything he had in Joseph's care. With Joseph in charge, he did not concern himself with anything except the food that he ate. Now you may have found yourself in a spot where you felt betrayed. You may have found yourself in a spot where things just quite didn't work out. And in that moment, you might have found yourself second guessing God second-guessing the, maybe the hope and the dream that God had put inside of you. you. You may have found yourself questioning the relationship that you've chosen. You may have found yourself questioning the, the, the career path that you've chosen because things are just not working out. And, and here's the, the first principle, the idea that we learn from Joseph in this text today is that God can bring purpose from your pain. God could bring purpose from your pain. You see, Joseph did not use the pain that he was in, the betrayal that he felt, to distract him from the moment that God had placed him in. And I promise you, you look around the room, you may be okay in your life, but the people that are sitting in front of you and the people that are sitting behind you are probably struggling and wrestling with a deep sense of pain today. There could be an impending divorce, there could be this ongoing family tension, there could be the loss of a loved one. And and for the people around you, maybe not for you, but for the people around you, if you did this equation, life just equals pain. So a question to ask yourself this morning is this, is where is my greatest pain right now? Where am I experiencing the greatest sense of pain each and every day? 
And then the follow-up question, what moves you beyond that into this this thinking of Joseph, this, this fighting of the bitterness, what moves you beyond that is then to ask this question, God, what purpose do you want to bring from this pain? Because see, God could be leading you through this sense of this loss or this sense of pain or this sense of uncertainty right now because he wants you to be drawn closer to him. God could be taking you through this season of pain right now because there could be some seeds of bitterness that have gotten in your heart and the only way to expose that is gonna be to go through this, what we talked about several weeks ago when talking about anxiety, this valley. But don't forget that the psalmist said, for you are with me. God's purpose in your pain right now could be to bring you through this pain to help prepare you to help someone else go through the same pain. And you felt alone in your pain. And you cried out to God so many times, God, if I only had somebody who had walked this walk, if I'd only been down this road with somebody else, would you please send somebody? And what God may be doing in your life through this pain that you're in right now is is he is preparing you to step into the story of someone else who will cry that same prayer. God, I'm walking through this journey and I feel alone. I need somebody. And he's already prepared you. So the question is not just why God. I mean, with that, that, that's an easy question to answer. The better question to ask in these moments of pain is, what, God? What do you wanna teach me in this right now? What what plans do you have on the other side of this for me? I want to be in the midst of the pain. I want to watch and look and wait. You know, the text doesn't tell us this, but I got to thinking this week, if I'm putting myself into a similar story of Joseph, I, I would imagine that there probably wasn't a day that went by that Joseph didn't think about what happened to him in his past. I mean, it would be natural to miss his father that he loved so much, that loved him so much. To to maybe even miss his home and his siblings. Maybe this betrayal kind of came out of the blue and he didn't see it. And, And every day as he's doing the affairs in Potiphar's house and taking care of his responsibilities, he has that thought, I wonder what dad's doing today. I wonder how the, the livestock are doing. I wonder how my friends are doing. And he's, he's miles away. But the pain that Joseph was experiencing did not keep him from missing the opportunity to fulfill the purpose that God had put in front of him. We have to be careful in each of our lives because we'll face one of those moments where, where the bitterness in our heart, the, the moment where we can let bitterness creep in, it can distract us so much that we run the risk of potentially missing where God's at work in our life. And yet, God in our own lives wants to do so much. And we get this story, it, it, it continues on Verse, just a few verses down, verse six, it says this. Now, Joseph was well-built and handsome. And men, well-built and handsome will get you in trouble. 
It's why I've made some of the life decisions that I have made is to keep me out of trouble from not being well-built and handsome. I've clearly never had to worry about this. And after a while, his master's wife took notice of Joseph and said, come to bed with me. Now, if you're a student or a kid in the room, go home and ask your parents what this verse meant, okay? They'll explain it to you in more detail over lunch today. But he refused. With me in charge, he told her, my master does not concern himself with anything in the house. Everything he owns has been entrusted to my care. No one is greater in this house than I am. My master has withheld nothing from me except you because you are his wife. How then could I do such a wicked thing and sin against God? Again, notice what he says. He doesn't say sin against the master. He says sin against God. And though she spoke to Joseph day after day, he refused to go to bed with her or even be with her. Here's the second idea about bitterness that we see from this story is that Rejection breeds bitterness. Rejection breeds bitterness. Everyone, every single person in this room here today has a rejection story. Every hand go up in the room right now. Every hand, seriously. I'm not gonna embarrass you, I promise. Every hand go up in the room. You have a rejection story. It was that girl in high school. It was that school that you applied for and didn't get the, didn't get the scholarship or didn't get accepted. It was the job right out of college that you were overqualified for and you went in and you interviewed and you thought you had it and they called you back and they told you and you found out later that it was somebody that was not as qualified and in your opinion didn't feel like it was good of a candidate but yet they chose them instead of you. For some of us, that pain of rejection runs deeper. That pain of rejection could be the, a spouse that rejected you for some of, some of you, you feel rejected by God. Because the thing that you long for, the thing that you want the most, the thing that, that you feel would meet the deepest desire of your soul, it just doesn't feel like God's gonna give it. It just doesn't feel like God's gonna answer that prayer. And every one of us, no matter who we are, no matter if you're following Jesus and you've been following Jesus for a long time or, or you're just starting out on this journey and trying to figure it all out, you, you in your life, every single person has a rejection story. And you know, as I read this story over and over and over and over and over again this week, I have a confession to make, okay? I have a little confession to make. I actually started feeling a little sympathy for Miss Potiphar. I did. I started having a little sympathy for her because I thought to myself, okay, clearly she's married to somebody who's in charge, probably pretty wealthy, but you know, maybe Mr. Potiphar wasn't very attentive. Maybe he had a hobby that kind of kept him busy on the weekends and so she felt rejected. She sort of felt scorned. Maybe that's why he was glad to have Joseph in the house because now he could just kind of delegate everything to him and go over here and just play and have fun and hunt on the weekends and golf in all the spare time and go out of town with his buddies every chance he got. I started this weekend to just, just kind of feel a, a, a little bit of sympathy, like what would have led her to this point? 
And the, the tough part is, is she still did the wrong thing. No matter what was going on in her life, no matter what bitterness she might have felt towards Mr. Potiphar, she still did the wrong thing. And here, here's another idea that I get, I just, we just, we've got to just, we've just got to hone in on it. It's for me, some of the greatest sources of my bitterness that I have to fight, that I have to choose better, that I have to claim that truth in my own life that what God has done for me is greater than anything could do to me. Some of the greatest sources in my life of bitterness can all be traced back to that moment of rejection. Can all be traced back to that moment of rejection or repeated rejection over and over and over again. You wanna know why you're bitter? You wanna know a source of the reason why you feel the way that you do or you respond to the way that you respond to him or to her or to your boss or to your friends or to your family? You dig around in your life, you do the soul searching work with Jesus and you trace those steps back and you find the source and I bet, I bet this morning that most of us could trace it back to a moment where we felt rejected. And take this seriously, this is important. Because last week we said that bitterness will make you stupid. It'll make you do stupid things. It'll cause you to make stupid decisions that impact you and that impact the people that love you. Now all the kids in the room are gonna go home and start saying stupid today because the preacher said stupid this morning. I, the reason I chose, somebody asked me this week, the reason I chose the word stupid, it was honestly, it was just for attention grab. I mean, that's all it was. I wanted to make everybody go, he said the word stupid. But that's what happens is you look back in your life and you just go, why did I do that? Why did I make that decision? And, and, and what I want for you this morning is I don't want you to make a similar type of decision that causes you so much regret and causes you so much pain that you look back on it and you just go, why did I do that? Wrestle this to the ground because what could end up happening is, is, is if you don't, your story could look a little bit more like Miss Potiphar. We continue on and it says this. Verse 11, one day he, Joseph, went into the house to attend to his duties, just doing what he was supposed to do, just doing his job, minding his own business, taking care of his responsibilities. And none of the household servants was inside. She caught him by the cloak, and this is an interesting parallel that happens in, in these first two little vignettes of Joseph, that his identity was so much connected to his cloak, to his coat, to what he was wearing. That was an identifier. Remember, after his brothers told the, the dad that you know, an animal had probably killed him, they, they took this, this coat that his dad had made and they, they put blood all over it and they took it to him and that's what identified him. And we're getting ready to see the same thing happen here. She caught him by his cloak and said, come to bed with me. But he left his cloak in her hand and ran out of the house. When he saw that he had left his cloak in her hand, when she saw that he had left his cloak in her hand, and had run out of the house. She called her household servants and said, look, she said to them, this Hebrew has been brought to make sport of us. He came in here to sleep with me, but I screamed. 
When he heard me scream for help, he left his cloak beside me and ran out of the house. And she kept his cloak beside her until his master came home. Then she told him the story. The Hebrew slave you brought us came to me to make sport of me. But as soon as I screamed for help, he left his cloak beside me and ran out of the house. Now again, it's worth saying. If you think the Bible's boring, you just haven't read it. There's more drama that just happened in here than on whatever those shows that come on, you know, at nine o'clock at night, those real housewife. I mean, this is like reality here. Joseph's minding his own business, doing what he's supposed to do. And Miss Potiphar tries to take advantage of a vulnerable position that he found himself in, which was no one was around. And here's what we learn from Miss Potiphar here is that bitter rejection can lead to bitter accusation. Bitter rejection can lead to bitter accusation. Joseph does the right thing. He made the right choice. When it would have been easier in this moment, honestly, to to make the easy choice and and just to do something that may or may not have ever been found out, he chose the, 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 the hard road. He chose the high road. And he didn't take matters into his own hands. He put his future into the hands of God. And he did the right thing. Here's an interesting thing that we learn from this. And, and you can think of somebody. Think, I, want, I want everybody in the room to think of somebody who you just know they're just a chronically bitter person. I mean, every time the, the phone rings and you see their name pop up, you know the story you're going to get on the other phone. It's the same thing every time. Think of that person. And here's what you know is true, is that bitter people often tell the version of the story that supports the bitterness, their bitterness the best. Bitter people often tell the version of the story that supports their bitterness the best. Well, he did this. Well, she did that. Well, I'll tell you, I know something about her in the past that happened. And this is why... I, You've heard it. You've got those phone calls. You knew. And there was this moment of of rejection that led to bitterness in her life. and 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 it caused something in her that the moment she was rejected, embarrassed in this moment, she had to make an accusation. And there's a danger zone here. A sure marker you're dealing with someone that's bitter in your life or that you have kind of risen to this danger zone of bitterness in your own life is if you are willing to sacrifice the character of someone else in order to save yours. If you're willing to sacrifice, which is exactly what Miss Potiphar did in her life, she sacrificed the character of Joseph to try to save her own because she had made a decision that was terrible, a decision that had terrible consequences a decision that could have caused irreparable harm to her life, and instead of owning it, she was willing to sacrifice the character of someone that meant so much to her. You see, chronically bitter people do one thing. They tell about 10 to 15% of the story. That's what happens. They tell about 10 to 15% of the story. I've done it. I've done it. Some of the deepest bitter hurt, pain in my life 
when I pick up the phone and I'm gonna call that trusted friend and I'm gonna complain about it one more time. And Ms. Potiphar does it too. Look, watch, straight out of scripture. She does the exact same thing. She says this right here. Look, she said to them, this Hebrew has been brought to us, which is true. Potiphar did bring the Hebrew into the house. That's true. To make sport of us, that's not true. That, 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 that's a lie. That, that was not the motivation for Potiphar bringing the Hebrew in. He came in here, which he did. He'd come in to do his household duties. That's in fact true. To sleep with me, not true. That's not the motivation why Joseph went in. Joseph was just taking care of his job. He was just doing the thing that he needed to do. But I screamed, not true. Again, Miss Potiphar, you're missing it. When he heard me scream for help, he left his cloak. Well... I mean, he did kind of leave his cloak in there, but I mean, it wasn't, because, yeah, no, again, it's just not. You see, the, the point here is that bitter people often tell this version of the story that best supports their bitterness. And if we were all honest, and if we were all true, you and I do the exact same thing. story goes on and it says this, when his master heard the story, his wife told him saying, this is how your slave treated me. He burned with anger. Joseph's master took him and put him in prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined. Here's another observation from this story of Joseph and Potiphar and Mrs. Potiphar, is that bitterness breeds bitterness. A rejection for sure breeds bitterness, but bitterness, bitter people breed bitterness in other people. You know what's interesting about this passage of scripture, and I say this from time to time, is sometimes it's not what scripture says, it's what scripture doesn't say. Notice that Potiphar said that he burned with anger, but it doesn't say who he burned with anger towards. And here's what's interesting, that if Potiphar had really thought that Miss Potiphar was true, was, was right in this, he legally... And especially from a positional authority place could have easily taken him out, had him put in the worst prison or executed on the spot immediately. So the words in scripture lead us to believe that there was, there was a moment of pause of, well, maybe this, maybe this isn't completely accurate. Maybe this was the, the first time that this had happened in the Potiphar house, or maybe this was a pretty frequent pattern. Maybe the reason why Mr. Potiphar put Joseph in charge of everything is because his bitter wife was driving him crazy and he had to get away as much as he could. And think about what, what Potiphar lost in all of this. Potiphar lost a, probably at this point, a friend. He'd, he'd entrusted his whole house to Joseph. Potiphar potentially lost the, the faithfulness of his wife. Because again, he, he might have known, well, well, this is a one-time thing, or maybe this was a repeated pattern. And for sure, Potiphar in this moment, because Miss Potiphar came out and told all the servants, Mr. Mr. Potiphar probably lost a little bit of dignity in all of this. Knowing the truth about his wife or knowing the suspicion about Joseph he probably lost a little bit of dignity. And I have to believe in this moment 
that Mr. Potiphar probably wrestled with a little bit of bitterness. I would imagine that you and I would wrestle with a little bit of bitterness in a similar situation, and some of you may have found yourself in a similar situation where a friend betrayed you. A friend might have betrayed you with the closest relationship that you have. And, and, and what's true for us, and you know this, is chronically bitter people love to hang out with other chronically bitter people. I think it was an old Ray Charles song, I think is what it was. Some of you music folks can correct me later, but there was an old Ray Charles song, I think, and it was like Misery Loves Company. And chronically bitter people just love to hang out with chronically bitter people because they validate each other's bitterness. And oh, I don't want that for you. I, I, I don't want you in your life to breed bitterness into other people. I don't want you in your life to, to have that moment where, where, where you breed and you spew that bitterness over into other people. You may say, well, where does that come from? Well, Jesus actually had some pretty strong words about what comes out of our mouth. He said in Matthew, the, the, these words are written in Matthew, it's gonna be on the screen. It says, but the things that come out of a person's mouth come from the heart and these defile him. See, bitterness lives in our heart first before it ever comes out of our mouth. And so for all of us who wrestle with bitterness, it's a heart problem long before it's a word problem. And so the question today is this, and it's the plot twist. Who are you in the story of Joseph? Who do you see yourself as in the story of Joseph? You see, you've got a couple of characters here. Most of us, if we were honest, probably wouldn't be willing to see ourselves as Potiphar's wife. That's a little embarrassing. Most of us would like to believe that we're Joseph in the story. We're the one that was wrong. We're the one that was, that was, that was falsely accused. We're the one that was put into prison. The reality is the path for healing and bitterness in our life is to see ourselves in the right place in the story. It's to see ourselves as the right character in the story. And the reality for you and the reality for me is we are not Joseph in this story. Jesus points us to, Joseph points us to Jesus. Why, you say? Because the Bible tells us that we have all fallen short. We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The Bible points to us that our heart is broken. That our heart is, is full of, of this, this, this anger and this bitterness and this, and this rage in our heart. And that that caused division between man and God. That we took matters into our own hands and that caused separation. And, and Jesus so triumphantly and victoriously stepped into that story and made a way back to God. And so see, the first step 
for each one of us to take today to heal from our bitterness and this moment. The first step to take towards that is to realize that we were the ones that were in that crowd in the last week of Jesus' life shouting crucify him, wrongly accusing him of what he had not done wrongly accusing him of who he claimed to be and and wrongly accusing him of what he claimed he was going to do. You see, that was the place in each one of us. And just like Joseph did, Jesus just took it. There's this beautiful part of scripture where where Jesus has been arrested and, and they're hurling insults at him and they're popping questions at him left and right and it says that Jesus just stood silent. And the mistake we can make is that we can interpret Jesus' silence for defeat. But Jesus didn't have anything to prove. Because just a few days later, he was going to prove who he really was by conquering death, sin, the grave, defeating it once and for all. And that's why we can all confidently say that what God has done for us is greater than anything anyone could ever do to us. Because Jesus Christ stood in our place. 